Good morning. I don't know about you, but I have already, my soul has already been truly blessed by having been here this morning. Thank you, Pastor Janice and staff and members here at Resurrection MCC for uh, this opportunity. But more than just this day, John and I moved to Houston about a year ago. We're finishing up our first year residency and thank Resurrection MCC for receiving us. Um, we both uh, had just finished some studies, and during that four-year period, we kind of lost touch with our home, with the MCC, um, and we were looking for a place, and the people in this place took us in and held us very close and very gently and very nurturingly and, and didn't invite us to do anything that we weren't prepared to do just yet. You know, most of the folks... I knew Michael and Kristen and many of the folks we had met before, but they just let us heal and just let us grow and just let us become more of who God was calling us to be. And so when the invitation came, I was all excited. I was ready. I was like, yeah, we've been here a year. Yeah, maybe it's time for us to step in. Um, I apologize if this makes you dizzy, but I can't stand still. My spirit is quite full. And this isn't even to the sermon part. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I was very excited to, uh, to say yes. So I thank you again for this opportunity. Having said that, I have a little confession. When Reverend Janice invited us to, to preach, again, we were excited. And, and we got together, and I, I didn't expect that it would be quite this soon. She, uh, it was about a month ago, and I said, well, it'll be a while. And then two weeks ago, I was coming out from serving communion, and she's standing out in the narthex. And she's got this, you know, that smile, <laughs> that big old smile that you can't say no to. Well, it was there with her, as it always is. And she said, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. And she said, you know, uh, we had a little talk about if you were wanted to preach. And then she said, are you, are you still interested in doing that? And I said, sure, but it won't be for a while. So yeah, can we talk about it now? <laughs> and I said, sure. And so we went into the office and talked about it. And she said, you know, we're doing this David series and I, we have a Sunday available. Would you like to do that? And I said, oh, that'll probably end in about three or four weeks. Sure. Well, it's in two weeks. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and, but she said, you know, we're following this um, particular path. And so, um, so this is what we're looking at. She said, and, and, and it's been about relationships. I don't, I, I was, I, if you've been here all the series, you know that Reverend Michael started us off talking about David and Jonathan. And then Reverend Pat uh, shared with us the relationship between Saul and David and uh, Reverend Janice last Sunday talked about Bathsheba and Uriah and uh, Nathan and David. And so, um, but we talked about the Uriah and Bathsheba and I've already shared this with her so I'm not telling her anything, anything out of school. Um, we talked about the Bathsheba and Uriah piece that I would preach on. And she said, she only had one request. She said, Will you send me your scripture references as soon as possible? And I said, sure, because that's what I say. And so 
come Tuesday, two days later, that's as soon as possible for me, I'm sitting in my office in the afternoon and I've been thinking about the worship service and I've been thinking about what I'm going to say and I've been thinking, and each time, and I've read, the, I've found scripture and I found the uh, Martin Luther King reading and, and, and I'm right on task, you know, I'm there, but I forget about sending the email that says, this is what I'm gonna read. So Tuesday afternoon I go, oh, I forgot to send it. And each time I was preparing, a strange thing happened. A song comes into my head. And so when the song comes into my head, that's not the strange part, because often songs come into my head. But this song, if, if you'll... This is what came into my head. Okay, okay, that's, that's okay. That's not exactly what came into my head. That's interesting. The, song, the, the line from the song that came into my head was from a, Frank, uh, a Fred Hammond song, and the line goes, When the Spirit of the Lord falls upon my heart, I will dance like David dance. Now the scripture that I, had, I was going to send to Reverend Janice was about David's sexual assault of a wife and his subsequent plot to murder her husband. That was the scripture I was going to send. There was a little disconnect for me in that in my head, this song about the spirit of the Lord falling on my heart and the death of this, this man and the rape of his wife didn't really seem to matter. Didn't really seem to connect. But I went on, and finally I sent the email, and I was in such a hurry, it was 4.53, I know that, because she sent me an email that came in at 4.59 reminding me that, and then she sent me another one that said, we must have sent emails at exactly the same time because I just got your email, and I just got your email, and all of that. So our emails passed in cyberspace. And so we were set, and I was right on task. I'm ready to go. Yes, we are good. And then a couple of days later, Jonna, my partner, Oh, there she is. Sorry, Joy, you're not my partner. John is my partner. <laughs> Jonna says to me, she says, what scripture are you using for your sermon? And I said, well, I'm using the story of David and Bathsheba and Uriah. I didn't know exactly what verses I had sent, and I said, but just read that whole chapter, and then it'll be in there somewhere. And that is the Hebrew scripture, and then I'm doing a Martin Luther King on mutuality and on the absence of mutuality in power and power dynamics. And that's what I'm thinking about. And she said, okay, that sounds good. And so she reads the scripture, and she chooses to do the Hebrew scripture, being the good Hebrew scholar that she is. Um, chooses the Hebrew scripture. So we're going good. I had to preach at work at the hospital so, for that Sunday. So I'm, not, I'm, I'm, I'm preparing, but I'm not really preparing. I'm not writing anything down or getting the verses in there. And so on Sunday, I had to work at the hospital. And I called Jonna in the evening, and I said, how was church? And she said, weren't you going to preach on Uriah? And I said, yeah. And she said, well, Reverend Janice preached on Uriah this morning. And I said, no, she didn't. And Jonna said, yes, she did. And I said, no, she didn't. Well, she didn't. No, she was preaching on Nathan. She said, yeah, yeah, the scripture was Nathan's scripture, but she, most of the sermon was on Uriah. I said, no, it wasn't. And she said, yes, it was. And I said, okay, what I'll do is, because we have this wonderful resource that we can go back and listen to, scripts, to, to sermons 
I said, I'll listen to the sermon. And parts that she didn't preach on last Sunday, I'll preach on this Sunday because I've already seen in the scripture, and that's the scripture that I chose. And I was a little confused, more so than I knew, but I was a little confused. And so, uh, we were very busy till Wednesday. We went out of town. We were in Fort Worth at the interim pastor uh, training in Fort Worth, Texas, with uh, other MCCs who send greetings. Uh, Re uh, Reverend Elder Lily Brock was there. She led it, and she sends greetings. And so on Wednesday night, um, and I had been working on it, and each time I'd work, I'd hear the song, When the Spirit of the Lord Falls Upon you. I'm like, well, you, come on, stop it. That's not, that's not appropriate for what we're working on, God. Why are you sending this song? And so I, I, I sat down and I listened to each and every one of the sermons from the series, Reverend David's, Reverend Pat's, and Reverend Janice. And really, it was a great sermon. Every point that I thought I was going to talk about, she had already talked about. It was an excellent sermon. But good job. <laughs> and I panicked. I was like, why would she do this? What, what, what does this mean? She knew. We had already talked about what this sermon was going to be about. I sent her the scripture. How could this happen? How could this mess up this badly? What am I going to do? So I go to the Gideon Bible in, in the desk by the bed, and I go to the scripture, the, the sixth chapter of 2 Samuel, and I look it up, and guess what is not in the sixth chapter of 2 Samuel? There's nothing about Bathsheba. There's nothing about Uriah. This you'll find in the sixth chapter of 2 Samuel. And I want to start at the 13th verse, where it says, When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, he sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might. David, wearing a linen ephod, danced before the Lord with all his might, while he and the entire house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouts and the sounds of trumpets. When the Spirit of the Lord falls upon my heart, I will dance like David danced. Can we pray? God, I am so thankful that it is your plan that leads our lives, if we are open to it. God, if we're open to hearing your call. So in this moment, let my words, let the words from my mouth be your words, and let it touch the open and receptive hearts of your people in this place. Amen. We've had stories about, um, four, three stories of David so far, and and if, if you grew up reading children's book stories and Bible stories, there are many other stories about David. There's David and Goliath. You know. David is, a cred is credited with writing the beautiful psalms. That was wonderful. The last words of David and then uh, the psalm that uh, Mark sang. And David is accredited with being the ancestor of Christ himself. So there are lots of stories about David. Reverend Michael, again, told us about the love between David and Jonathan, a love that had no words. As a matter of fact, when he did, at the death, after the death of Jonathan, David described that love as love being beyond the love of women. 
more than the love of women. Reverend Pat, as I said, told us about Saul and that love-hate relationship that David and Saul had. Saul so consumed by self-importance and self-worth and, self and, and insecurities that he looked to kill the very servant that served him best. And then again, Reverend Janice talked to us about what goes around comes around. It's the same, uh, the same ills that were perpetuated on David by Saul. He turns around and, and succeeds in perpetuating on Uriah. So this is another story of David, but they're all just snapshots of a life. Each one of them, each one of it by themselves, by themselves mean very little, but we look at the totality. And I invite you, as you look at your own life, look at the totality of those events that make you who you are. Ken Pargaman, a psychologist that does um, end-of-life uh, seminars, talks about how our relationship with God and also with each other is like an onion. And there are all these layers that get built up one on top of the other to make an onion. It's a very good uh, image. It was a very good image for me because I think our experiences and, and the people that we meet and the way we encounter life build up a, an onion, like an onion, who we are to become. So this story today is about David going down and getting the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant is the very embodiment for the people of Israel at this time of God. If you have the Ark with you, God is with you. And there's a way that you address the Ark and the way you carry the Ark and the way that you you experience and are part of the community with the ark. And as he's bringing the ark up um, to put in Jerusalem in his palace, he's dancing, he's going along, and everything's okay, and they're playing tambourine, and everything's looking real good. You know, you know, it's looking real good. Life is good. God is with us. Right here in this box, we're carrying God with us. Life is good. But every now and then in our lives, the oxen stumbles. You know, we lose a job. Our relationship ends. Illness comes into our lives, long-term illness. We stumble through no fault of our own. And in this story, the story of Uzzah reaching at, there's a, there's a part where Uzzah, one of the sons of the priest who was caring for the ark, reaches out and he steadies the ark. And when he does it, the scripture says, God strikes him down dead. I am not going there. Other than to say, I think there are times in our lives that we put on God things that naturally happen in our lives. There are times when we say, God, why did you cause this to happen? Or God, I didn't do anything to deserve this. That's as far as I'm going. That's a whole nother sermon. But I want us to be intentional when we think about what we accredit to God. You know, we give, we say, we did something if it was good, but if it was bad, oftentimes, well, why did God do that? But again, I'm, I'm leaving that. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not staying there. I don't want to stay there. What I want us to know is that Uzzah died. And it says that God was angry. And that's why Uzzah died. And God struck him down. David became angry. David became confused. David wanted to know, well, I'm doing what I think God wants me to do. Why did this happen? I don't know why this happened. 
I don't know why the oxen stumbled, but what's the harm in putting your hand out there and holding it up? God, what's going on? And David became afraid and said, I'm pretty sure I don't want this in my house. This is too much power for me. I can't control the ark. I can't control the power. I'm going to leave it down here in Obed-Edom's house because that way it'll be close enough. When I want it, I can go get it. But when I don't want to be bothered with it, I don't have to see it. I don't have to have it. I don't have to experience it. But when I want it, I can go tap into it. I think a lot of times in my own life, that's been my experience. The part of my relationship with God has been this up and down motion of, okay, God, come on in. This is what we're going to do. Let me tell you what we're going to do. When the Spirit of the Lord... No, let's talk, about, let's talk about Bathsheba and Uriah. Falls upon my heart. No, that's not what we're going to, that's not our lesson. God, what is it that you really want to give me to talk about, about Bathsheba and Uriah and David? I will dance like David danced. But God has a way of touching us. So, as the ark was down in um, Obed-Edom's house, three months later, word started coming to David saying, you know, he's really doing good. His crops are growing, his whole household is flourishing, his livestock is healthy, and everybody's saying it's because the ark is in his house. So David says, well, maybe God's not as mad as I thought God was, and maybe I can bring it up to my house. So he goes down to Obed-Edom three months later, and he starts the dance and the movement again. And he gets to the, and we're almost done with the stories, he gets to the uh, gates of Jerusalem, and up in the, the window of the tower is Michael. And I don't know if you remember, but Michael is David's wife, one of David's wives at the time. But she's also the daughter of Saul and the sister of Jonathan. And she's looking out. And David is dancing like a man possessed. He's dancing like he's never danced before. He's dancing so much, he's pulled off his robes. He's thrown off his shoes. And he's dancing in the... Okay, I shouldn't look at you because all I can think about is... Well, I won't say what I can think about. He's dancing in something called an ephod, which is something that, that covers up his groin area and goes around his waist. And that's all he's got. And all the slave girls are out there and his concubine and all the other men. And he's dancing for all that he's worth. Because, you know, there's something about the spirit of the Lord when we recognize it, when it is a part of who we are, that we just let go. You know, it's kind of like being, dare I say, liberated in our gayness, in our queerness. Once we recognize the power of being authentically who we are, there's a way that we can approach life and we can approach the world that we can't, at, that, that we don't at other times. Um, Reverend Denise pointed out that uh, there were some mixed pronouns in my uh, in my bio and said that some people here actually pointed out as we we're passing the piece. There's a way I identify myself that maybe not every day, but once I learned that, that there was freedom in that identity, man, I could dance. I could be who God called me to be. And so 
but uh, I don't want to get off the point. But I want to encourage you to know that in this community, we are called to be something by God. I don't care what Michael says. Michael said to David, oh man, you are really disrespecting the position of king. My father never would have acted this way. Look at you, you're disgusting. And David said, what's disgusting in your eyes, in the eyes of the people, is glorifying in God's eyes. And I'm here to glorify the Lord. And he went on and, and, and had a, 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 a sacrificed oxen and food and, and sent out enough food for every person that came and celebrated. And it said there were around 30,000 that went with him to get the ark. In our lives, first of all, what I'm trying to say is there's, David didn't do any of this by himself. All those people that were talked about throughout this month were David's community. The 30,000 people that walked with David as he brought the ark up and then went back and obeyed him, all those people had a part in who David was to become as king and who the David we would know. I invite you to look around and see those people in your own lives that inform how you are going to live your life in the service of God and authentically. Secondly, there was a mutuality. There was a mutuality between David and Jonathan that Jonathan was able to lay down his breastplate and his sword at David's feet and say, you're going to be the next king. And I believe that. And that the Lord, this is what the Lord's calling you to. In a way, Saul couldn't do it. In a way, Saul was not able to give up that power. But Jonathan says, I recognize that God is calling you in a way that God is not calling me. But I'm going to walk with you. And I'm going to serve you as my king. And I am going to live in relationship with you, whatever that looks like. Thirdly, there is the authenticity of David's dance and of our dance, living who we are in God's world, just as we are, being open to the call of God and being able to say, being, walking closely enough with God to hear God when God says, this isn't where I want you, I want you over here. This isn't how I want, this isn't what I see as being the fullness of your life, but if you will just hear my call, it can go differently. David, it, and the attitude that you have, I, 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 and I don't want to belabor the point, but the attitude that David had as he danced before Obed-Edom and before many of his experiences was a great deal different from the attitude that David had when he wrote the Psalms. There were, there were experiences that he had had with God and with his fellow human beings that said, I can write a little bit more deeply. I can write, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, even in days when I don't have. I can write, I will lift up mine eyes to the hills, from whence cometh my help. There were things and experiences that David had. I invite you to listen to that call in your own life. And in those days when you are writing your own script, and I'm not saying that writing your own script is wrong, listen for that voice that says, when the Spirit of the Lord, even when it doesn't make sense, and you're writing that script, don't stop writing, but keep listening at the same time. Amen.